0: Good morning, Memphis, and welcome to the morning show. And boy, do we have a big show planned for you today. Let me tell you about it. Actually, Senator Marsha Blackburn will be dropping by the show in just a couple minutes. We'll be talking about these pro-Hamas protesters that shut down commerce for over two hours. Maybe they'll listen to federal consequences, right? It shouldn't just be a a simple slap on the wrist, though. These protesters didn't even get that. Uh, Didn't get anything. They should face a felony crime. We'll ask Senator Marsha Blackburn about that. Also at 735, Congressman Andy Ogles out of District 5, a MAGA patriot, an America first type of guy, is going to be hanging out at 735. Let me tell you, we had another opportunity to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. I can't do my R's well. I failed Spanish multiple times. Um, So we blew it. We blew it. And we had an opportunity to do it about a month ago. And then Congressman Green came forward and presented this resolution again to send a strong message to this crooked administration that there are consequences when you don't do your job. And this DHS secretary needs to be impeached. He needs to go. They took the vote yesterday. Four House Republicans voting against it. And it failed once again. You know, we love to talk about Disney. We love to talk about the culture war. We love to talk about boys and girls' bathrooms. And we need to talk about that. But right now, for a lot of Americans, what they're seeing at our southern border is issue number one. It's in every polling right now. CBS with their latest polling, it was issue number two. And this was an opportunity for Republicans to, To side with Americans. And what did our House Republicans do? They sided with the Democrats. And saved this guy's hide. That angers me. They are expected to bring another resolution to impeach Mayorkas once again. Maybe third time is the lucky charm. I hope so. Because we're we're not going to win in November if we continue legislating and acting like fools on Capitol Hill. In hour number two, we have our guys over at FCG. That's a ton of fun and a wildly popular segment. And then the owner of Big B Coffee is going to be dropping by. We have a big remote coming up on Friday that we'll tell you all about. Let's start with some breaking news, though, that had a lot of people concerned, especially in the Cordova area near the Wolf Chase Mall. In this case, it was the Target. If you go to our Stop Memphis Crime page or any of our social media, We have all of the images, videos of what went down in a parking lot, though. Police do not believe that that is where the shooting actually took place. A mom is now dead after she was shot in her vehicle. According to Memphis police, that call went out right before 8 p.m. at Target on U.S. Highway 64. They found this mom shot inside of the car. Now, there are some images that we have, and it looks like there is the man that was in that SUV on a, gur- uh, on, on a gurney of some sorts, paramedics, also taking him to an area hospital. We're still waiting for more information from NPD. They were there last night, and they had to say this to local media. Cut 11.
1: It's real early in the investigation, uh, so we don't have all of the facts with us, but it's always important that we secure our firearms and ensure that you know they're in safe places.
0: There was a report that there was a little toddler in the back seat of that vehicle and somehow got their hands on a gun and ultimately fired that weapon inside that SUV. We're waiting for all of the facts to come forward. But if you are online at all, and I know Fox 13 ran a report where they alluded to the child firing this weapon, most likely accidentally, right? It's a three-year-old. It's a toddler. How did that happen? And I would echo what MPD is saying because there should be no access that your child should be able to get their nitty little fingers on a gun. It seems common sense. So encourage you to check that out. And when we have more developments in that case, we will bring that forward to you. Speaking of another case that happened at One Poplar, and this is interesting because on Monday after the morning show, I actually went down to One Poplar and I hung out. Not at the jail, but at our criminal courts. I wanted to see for myself what is happening and what is not happening. What judge is actually delivering justice and which judge decided to sleep in that morning. I think it's very important to actually practice what we preach. We scream about a broken criminal justice system, but you cannot solve said criminal justice system if you're not there to watch it. And right now, there's a lack of accountability at 201 Poplar and our court system Yesterday, there was a murder bond suspect hearing. There was a guy that had shot two different people in northeast Memphis. And the attorneys for this young man, he was very young. His name is Dargarian Lee, accused of killing two people, leaving two others hurt. This happened on January twenty-nine. The defendant's lawyer said that they needed to get his bond set to $125,000 because in order to him, for, for him to actually challenge this case, which is pretty significant if he is convicted of, he needs to be back out onto the streets. He needs to be making a buck. So it went before a judge, Judge Christian Johnson's courtroom. Again, this all went down on Tuesday. Now, you had both parties there. You had the family of this young kid that is accused of shooting two people at an apartment in North Memphis. Then you had the other family, the victim's family. And guys, I saw the same exact thing while I was down there on Monday. It was heartbreaking. It was actually, it was it was heart-wrenching to see so many victims of crime walk into those courtrooms, whether it be courtroom one, two, three, four, five. There's 10 of them. Half the time, the judges are not actually working And then, But in that case, and in the case Monday after this show, there were a couple judges that were trying to get to the bottom of justice. And I know programs like Just City and our crooked district attorney only want to talk about the solving disparate impact in this city, that there must be an equal amount of white criminals behind bars as there are black criminals behind bars. And once we see that quota reached, we will have peace on earth in the city of Memphis. Now, it's very telling because just on pure qualitative, not quantitative research, qualitative being I was there, I was seeing with my eyes. There were not many white defendants or victims of crime down at 201 Poplar in the criminal court system. There were, however, a lot of black victims and victims' families that were demanding justice for their loved one. No one wants to talk about that. No one wants to talk about this family, the moms of these two young men that were shot in this Northeast Memphis apartment. And as they're trying to decide whether we release this guy back out onto the the streets, because that would be what... $12,500 he would have to post to get back out onto said streets. They ultimately settled on a $1 million bond, which was a win. But even to these parents, think about that. If that is your loved one, $1 million is still not enough. They actually had to haul out the mom of one of these victims. Take a listen to this and cut 10. I'm sorry.
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Sorry.
3: I'm gonna step up. I'm sorry. That's my son. I'm his mother. That you killed.
0: Good on her. Good on her. That's my son you killed. And we're talking about right now releasing him back out onto the streets. You probably heard that, but I have the footage of that incident in the courtroom yesterday. She was a black mom, right? We want to say Black Lives Matter. Her son's lives matter, and so does hers. So does hers. Here was another family member of the two deceased men. They were named Noah and Devondre. They believe the guy shouldn't have gotten a $1 million bond at all. 9, please.
4: They were there for dinner at my son's house. For dinner. His girlfriend cooked Sunday dinner, invited her cousin over. And she brought him with her. her There was no argument, no altercation. Her mom was there. My two-year-old grandson was there. Her younger sister and brother was in the house. My baby just came and came over to his older brother's house to get a haircut. And when he started shooting, my baby ran out. He chased after my baby. Shot him in the head. Lee's attorney says it did not happen that way.
1: 100% you don't have the full story.
4: He claims Lee is not a monster. He's a guy who is shy and nervous. He also says Lee needs solitary confinement.
5: He's sitting in jail with a lot of people who are uh, connected to the victims in this family. um, And that's why he saw the order for protective custody. Jessica Noss, WREG News. That
0: audio obtained by WREG, I would push back on the defense attorney. He said that this is not a monster. His defendant is a guy who is shy and nervous. Well, he wasn't shy or nervous back on January 29th. He was a monster. He was not shy when he shot these two young men in the back of the head. You also heard he's asking for solitary confinement. Well, because there are some members of 201 Poplar, some some guys jailed down there that would side with the victims of this crime and not the monster that shot these young men. Good. Let them have at it. And I know I'm probably going to get in trouble with that, but I'm not legal. I'm opinion. All of this to say, as I was at 201 Poplar on Monday, I think it became real for me to, to see many of these victims and these victims' families who are just asking for one thing, justice. They'll never get that because they cannot ever talk to their children. They can't talk to their parents, their grandparents that were gunned down. So the bare minimum is that you don't release these criminals back out on to the streets. Now, as I said, there are 10 criminal courts at 201 Poplar. Half of the time, these judges are not in those courtrooms. On the other side, there are some very lenient judges. And it was interesting sitting in each of those courtrooms. I don't think they liked me. <laughs> Because I was sitting there and I was watching. And when they said bond hearing, my ears perked up. And I got my little notepad and I started taking notes. You are not going to release this child rapist back out onto the streets. I can report that when the defense attorney for the the perpetrator of the crime that I sat in, I believe it was Criminal Court 9, the defendant was asking to be back out onto the streets because he needed to get back to work. Because he needed to pay his legal Fees, his legal bills and the judge to her credit and I'll get the exact name of the judge because it's not right at the top of my mind she looked at him and she said you have been charged with such egregious things there is no way in hell she didn't say that she said in good conscience I can return you back to your home the same exact place where you did some horrible gruesome things to some little girls And I was applauding her from the back. I couldn't actually stand up and say, your honor, great job. But I wanted to. We need more tough judges to send a stronger message that if you commit a crime, you will serve the time. More on the other side with Senator Marsha Blackburn. Don't go away. (laughs)
4: like action to happen they should have listened to us the first time you know you're
2: here to represent us you're here to represent your people of america and we're saying to
1: stop
4: funding this genocide we're stop using our tax money that we have to pay for this genocide
0: pro hamas activists storming the i-40 bridge over the weekend blocking commerce for hours my next guest has proposed legislation to make blocking bridges like the Hernando de Soto Bridge a crime. I want to welcome back to The Morning Show our friend, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Good morning, Senator.
3: Good morning. What a pleasure to join you. Thank you.
0: We've seen these obtrusive anti-Israel protests all across the country. Saturday, it happened right here in the Bluff City. We have a lot of really upset listeners, Senator, who were on that bridge stranded for hours wondering how on earth a group of activists could shut down our city in Memphis in the guise of, quote, free free Palestine.
3: Yes, and this is why Senator Tillis and I have filed our legislation. Of course, we know it's already a crime to block these interstate highways and then to add to it to strengthen that penalty and to send that message that in the name of public safety, you cannot go block an interstate highway or any roadway.
0: It's A huge concern and the fact that there were not consequences for many of these protesters does not send that strong message that we desperately need to because who knows the next time they find another cause and the next thing we know, we're stuck on the bridge again. But wanted to move on because our time is short. There was this headline that came out recently. Nearly 600 illegal immigrants could travel to Middle Tennessee. That was a notice sent over by the Homeland Security specifically naming Nashville, Davidson County, Franklin, I could go on. So let's talk about the bipartisan Senate bill. Conservatives oppose it. You've got some rhinos that support it. Democrats, like the president, they support this legislation. Here's President Biden.
1: Every day between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends.
0: So they're pinning it on MAGA Republicans and Trump. Make that make sense, Senator.
3: Well, it doesn't make sense. As we know, the president possesses all the authority, the authority he needs to protect the American people and to protect our borders. He has chosen not to do it. And he has been so focused on opening the border that during his first 100 days, he took 94 executive actions to weaken immigration policy and to open the border. He ended Remain in Mexico and Title 42. He told the Border Patrol the directive was to allow people to walk in and claim asylum. And then he exercised catch and release. And this bill that had come uh, together in the Senate would have codified catch and release. And it would not have strengthened the asylum policy and it would allow as many as 5,000 illegal immigrants to enter the country between our ports of entry every single day.
0: And as I understand, Senator, for many of the listeners that are not keeping up with the docket of legislation, there was a bill in front of both the Senate And the House, it passed over on the House. Congressman Mark Green joined the show recently to discuss Secure the Border Act, H.R. 2. It gets tossed over to you guys and they are not coming to the table.
3: That's correct. That bill actually landed in the Senate on May 15th of last year, and since that time, the Senate Judiciary Committee, which had jurisdiction over that, has had over 80 meetings and markups, and we have never called that bill forward. So the vehicle was there, but the Democrats didn't like that vehicle. So what did they do? They said, we're going to set that aside, and instead of going through regular order and working through the committee, what we're going to do is pull together a special committee of three people, and we're going to ask them to go negotiate in secret, in private. And when they get a bill together, then we're going to call that a bipartisan compromise bill. And basically, you had two Democrats and one Republican negotiating that bill.
0: Mm, Yeah. Um, Speaking of bipartisan, bipartisan, and you know, a lot of times we see these headlines where there's so much good luck in Washington and there is, but last Wednesday there wasn't because you had a group of Democrats and Republican lawmakers grilling Mark Zuckerberg. And I will say this would not have happened without you and some of your other Democratic colleagues that we've talked about on this show. The accusation is that Meta is not doing enough to protect children. From exploitation on Facebook and Instagram. Now we pulled your interaction with Mark Zuckerberg. Take a listen to this.
2: There are a lot that is slipping through. It appears that you're trying to be the premier sex trafficking.
5: It's
6: not, Senator.
2: In this oh,
5: Senator,
6: that's ridiculous. No, Senator, it is not
2: ridiculous. You want to turn around and tell these people that we don't want this, don't want this content that. on our platforms? And we, Why don't you take it down? We do take. We are here discussing. We, we, do we more need work you to take all down to down than, work than, with than, us. Than, no, than, you're not. You are not. And the problem is we've been working on this. Senator Welch is over there. We've been working on this stuff for a decade. You have an army of lawyers and lobbyists that have fought us on this every step of the way. Are you going to stop lobbying against this and come to the table and work with us, yes or no? Senator, we have a... Yes or no? Of course we'll work with
6: you on, on the legislation. Okay, I mean, the door is though.
2: open. We've got all these bills. You need You need to come to the table.
0: Wow, what a powerful moment. Do you expect then after the exchange that you had with the leaders over at Meta that they will pass the Kids Online Safety Act? It's common sense.
3: It is such common sense and it has bipartisan support and parents that have lost their child or their child has entered into depression or their child has had severe issues following being online for an extended period of time. The fact that these social media platforms will not work with us is disgusting. The fact that they will not recognize the harm that this is doing to boys and girls and mental health of our nation's youth. And they're putting the product, they're using the kids as the product when the kids are online. And then the longer they're online, the more data these social media platforms collect. The more data they collect, the more money they make. So we're begging them to work with us on this legislation and help to protect children in the virtual space.
0: Mm, All right, good stuff. Gonna leave it there. When I saw that, I thought, yes, she's a lawmaker, but she is a mama bear. And you heard all of those parents in the background applauding you, and we are back in West Tennessee as well. Keep on fighting the good
2: fight.
3: Thank you so much, Ben. Good day.
0: All right, Senator Marsha Blackburn on our phone lines. What's exciting is we pulled in the big actors because we also have Congressman Andy Ogles in District 5. He introduced new legislation that I am very excited to talk to him about. It's called the Send Them Back Act. You fill in the blanks on what he's referring to. Of course, we have an open border, and House Republicans had the opportunity to impeach the sole guy. I mean, we can lump in the entire administration, but DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, his job is to shut the border, and he's failed. We had an opportunity to impeach him, and then we failed as Republicans. We'll have that conversation on the other side. 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. Don't go away. It's pretty telling to get the receipts on on Democrats and how they're handling this southern border. If you remember back in 2021, really as long as I can look back, no crisis at the southern border. 2022, no crisis at the southern border. Actually DHS Homeland Security guy, what's his name? Mayorkas. You guys know all morning long, I've been so frustrated about this impeachment vote yesterday that we butchered. Um, he said the southern border was absolutely closed. Mark Green, the congressman, he was lying. And then now, all of a sudden, in 2024, there is a crisis at the southern border, and it's all Republicans and President Trump's fault. Here is Vice President Kamala Harris on who's to blame for the southern border crisis. Here's the thing on this issue.
7: We all know that our immigration system is broken. It has been for a long time. On day one, when right after our inauguration, when President Biden and I came in, the first bill we offered was to clean up the immigration system and create a pathway for citizenship. They've not taken it up because, sadly, there are a lot of members of the Republican Party who elected members of the Republican Party who would prefer to run on the problem instead of fixing the problem. We're offering solutions, including offering that and asking for 14 billion dollars to, 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 put at the border to address some of these problems. If there was a real desire to fix it, the solutions are at hand.
0: Here to fact check the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris, is Congressman Andy Ogles, representing Tennessee District Five. Congressman, can we get some truth here to this, this idea that they've handed you solutions? And house republicans are snubbing them
1: well i mean if your solution is amnesty uh then, then maybe but uh no 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 is the answer there's no way i'm for it there's no way we should allow it i mean keep keep in mind that that since oh uh biden started to say obama since biden came into office you know, almost eight million people have come here illegally that that that, that is a crisis that really can't be fully articulated. It's changing communities. It's overwhelming the health care system. School districts can't handle the influx, not to mention the fentanyl that, that's flooding our streets. And so uh, that's why I've offered a bill. It's called the Send Them Back Act, which literally would deport every person who's come into this country illegally since Biden came into the office.
0: How is that being received? I, I caught some of your interview with Matt Gates. I know the talking point from the left is that is cruel. But if you want to talk about cruel, Congressman, think about the fentanyl crisis that is destroying Tennesseans. Think about the sex trafficking that is coming up through the southern border. These people allowing a wide open southern border are really the monsters, not Republicans.
1: That's right. I mean, you know, every day, every week, you have someone murdered at the hands of an illegal immigrant. You have someone raped at the hands of an illegal immigrant. Immigrant. You have a child abused by at the hands of an illegal immigrant. You have robberies, you have carjackings, you have muggings. So, who are you going to side with, Americans or illegals? I'm going to pick America. I'm going to pick America every day, every day, every day. And anyone who says otherwise is a traitor to this country and a traitor to the people. So, Kamala Harris and her garbage, back talking, tossed salad, whatever she's got going on when she speaks, is nonsense. Amnesty is not a solution. And when you look at what Mayorkas has done, so he's a Secretary of Homeland Security uh, of, 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 of Homeland. Uh, we did not impeach him yesterday. We're going to have another vote next week. We can talk about that in a second. But they are willfully trying to change Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona forever by flooding them with these people, getting them hooked on social welfare and food stamps, getting them the right to vote, and then those three states will become blue and the Democrats will forever hold the White House. This is diabolical when you really start to think about it, and they're playing the long game here. They're going to take the White House. They're going to steal it from American people, and I, for one, am not going to tolerate it.
0: Yeah, they hate America. Uh, Mark Levin just came out with a book, and it was titled simply Democrats Hate America. And when you look at what they're doing and what they're not doing to solve the crisis that we have down there, it's very clear that they don't want any solutions. But unfortunately, there are some in our own party that are also traitors to this country. I mean, I'm opinion, so I can say that. But think about this. You have the opportunity to send a message and side with Americans that we are going to address the southern border. And to do that, we are going to impeach the guy responsible for it. Alejandro Mayorkas. It was embarrassing, frankly. And I know you share that same frustration failing that vote last night.
1: Yeah, so you had three uh, individuals. You had Gallagher, McClintock, and Buck who voted no. All three of those were Republicans and they all had these convoluted reasons for why they voted no. It's all nonsense. Uh, And I use this as an example. If you and I went to the southern border, if you and I aided and abetted uh, a, a dozen people, Coming into this country illegally, you and I would go to jail. But my orcas and Biden allow millions of people to come into this country and we're supposed to just look the other way. No, thank you. And so my orcas needs to be impeached. Quite frankly, I believe that he's committed treason against our country to allow an invasion to happen under his watch and he, and he deserves to be in jail. But that being said, you had a fourth person, Blake Moore. So he's on the leadership team. He switched his vote at the last minute to prevent a tie. But what that does allow is next week when we come back to DC, we will be able to bring that vote back up. Steve Scalise, who was out this week because of his uh, treatments that he's receiving for cancer, he will be back and he will be able to cast that vote that will ultimately impeach uh, my Orcas. So uh, that's how narrow of a uh, majority we have. But uh, this idea that we did not get this vote done last night really is appalling. At a time. And look, if you were to ask an American, any American, you would hope, right? If you could prevent a murder by deporting illegals, would you deport? Yeah. If you could prevent a rape by deporting illegals, would you deport? I mean, those are real questions with real consequences. And, and, and they're true to life. We've got to return law and order back to this country, back to our cities. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be messy. There's going to be heartbreaking stories. But this is our country. We get to decide who comes in, and we get to decide who has to leave.
0: You know, we have a chance to fix that in November, and it does feel like that Americans are seeing with their eyes, and that is encouraging. A stunning NBC poll came out, and I'm sure you saw it, but Trump up 5%, largest lead over President Biden. 73% of Americans say America is on the wrong track. If you look at the categories, Trump destroying Biden on the border, we talked about that, the economy, crime, violence, and maybe more importantly, is mental and physical stamina. Alright, get this. 16%. That is the lead Trump has over Biden on the question of mental stamina. And when I was watching the president address the public yesterday, there's no question why. Take a listen. Cut five.
1: There is some movement, and I don't want to, I don't want to let choose my words. There's some movement There's been a response from the, uh, the, the, there's been a response from the opposition, but, um, yes, I'm sorry, from Hamas, but it seems to be uh, a little over the top. We're not sure where it is. There's a continuing negotiation right now.
0: So back in 2020, Biden was ahead by Trump in 9% in that category. My gosh.
1: Well, and the reason why you see our enemies on the move, where it's Russia versus Ukraine, China versus Taiwan, uh, the Houthis, Hamas, Hezbollah in the Middle East, it's because of this president. And look, when I start talking <laughs> right. Let me choose my words. This. You should probably give me a call and say, Andy, as a friend, we should have a conversation about your health, right? right. Like the, the fact that the people are allow- allowing this man to stand in front of the world on the global stage and embarrass our nation day in and day out shows how desperately they want power. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do anything and everything to try to hold it. So they're going to try to cheat. They're going to try to steal. They're going to try to lie in 2024. And that's why it's critical for you to do what you do. to to empower your listeners right to give them the information and tool they need and that's why your listeners have to be engaged you know this senate bill that they tried to send over that was going to give amnesty to two million people a year it died because the american people said no thank you i mean yeah and so thank you and thank thank you to your listeners for being engaged
0: all right congressman andy ogle is going to leave it there thank you and we'll be following your legislation good stuff as always keep on fighting the good fight
1: Thank you. God bless.
0: All right. On the other side of the break, we are going to jump into a couple different local stories. Busy, busy morning down at the city council today. We're going to be looking at whether we want to fork over lifetime insurance policies to one of the most useless bodies in America, the Memphis city council. We'll also be talking about Memphis city council member, McKaylin Easter Thomas. She's facing a big old ethic complaint over her day job. Because she works with the park people. That would be Memphis River Parks Partnership. Turns out you can't actually work for the city government and also the MRPP. And she knew that. She's been doing that. So there is talks right now, as I've talked to a couple different city council members, that she may end up losing her seat over this breach of policy in the charter here in the city of Memphis. But before we jump into all of that, let's talk about... All the cool things we're doing in the month of February. Dylan, this is exciting because yesterday we had thrown it out to our listeners. We were talking about the big Valentine's package that we're going to unveil on Monday, which means we've teamed up with Dinch Jules, the best chocolates in the country, not just in the Mid-South. Puse flowers, the most vibrant, stunning flowers. You know, Dylan is a now engaged man. What do you always say now? Uh, you have to talk to the wife. Every time no. I text you, hey, Dylan... What's oh. going on? And he's like, Let me ask the wife. I'm like, You're not married yet, bro. I do that to be funny. I know. So Mary, is she a red roses type of girl. She's maybe a daffodil. She likes the wild orchids.
8: Oh. Yeah. Okay. Not a traditional
0: girl. I like that. <laughs> She's not a trad wife. That is roses short. Roses are always nice. Dude. That is short for traditional, by the way. So not only do you get your name entered into this big drawing to win pews flowers, also Spot Collierville. Bob Hendry was on the show yesterday. We had that interview on our website. A $100 gift card to go get. I don't know. Does she want Botox this year? Because you'll get that if you call in at 901-260-5926. And then I'd be remiss to add our partners with the Nutrition Bar in East Memphis. They're also going to give one of our lucky listeners a $50 gift card to go get something nutritious for her. So be caller number four at 901-260-5926 901-260-5926 we get your information and your name gets thrown into that big bag of a big valentine's package we'll be right back Love is in the air down at 201 Poplar. I can tell you that right now because an employee with the Shelby County Sheriff's Office, she's been charged after having sex with with a prisoner. This is a follow-up. You guys, we told you about this corrections deputy, Akira Jones. She was placed on leave. She was suspended because the allegation, the rumor flying around down at the jail was that she was sleeping with one of the convicted felons and I said there's no way people actually don't do this you know we see these stories from time to time where there will be these convicted killers and there is this weird psychological switch that is flipped and people want to date these horrible people that doesn't make sense to me there are 8 billion people that we share this globe worth with and you're going to go find that person in a jail you need therapy like this woman does I mean, to sleep with one of your prisoners, how does that even work? I I, I guess she has keys to the jail cell, but there are other people sharing the jail cell. Dylan, this is rather disgusting. Anyhow, Deputy Akira, I guess former deputy, she's been charged with sexual conduct of prisoners. She is now out without pay. Thank God. Um, The Shelby County Sheriff's Department released a statement. They say that we do not tolerate this misconduct of any kind, and we will continue to hold our employees accountable to the highest ethical standards to ensure our public's trust that they know that our jailers aren't sleeping with the jail. You remember Gypsy Rose? Yes. Don't remind me. (laughs) She's the crazy girl that killed her mom, beheaded the mom. And she had so many people that wanted to be with her. I hate that i don't get it it's so bizarre all right let's talk to john i don't even know how we pivot because we threw out an opportunity to be one of our lucky winners for valentine's day because love is in the air clearly done at the jail but right here in the studio so let's talk to john who is in downtown not far from 201 poplar john top of the morning to you
1: Oh, good morning. I, I sure hate that you led this whole thing off with something that horrible.
0: You know, John, last story. as it was coming out of my mouth, I thought, do we just hang up on John and, and try him again? But, I, you know, you're one of our lucky winners. You were the lucky caller. So I had to take oh, your call.
1: So congratulations, well, um, first of all. I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I uh, definitely enjoy your morning show.
0: Thank you. Can I ask you... The first question, are you in love this 14th of February?
1: Oh, am I in love the 14th? Well, I'm, I'm in love on the, the 6th of February, the 7th and 8th and 9th and so forth and so on.
0: Is she listening? Because you just crushed that answer. I mean, you don't um, even need to give her flowers. So, do you yeah, all pre-record
8: these things? Yeah,
0: we do. We <laughs> do. We'll send it to you. We actually will. John, we'll get your information. We'll send this to you and you can share it with her. Second question. What is an ideal date night for John and your lover?
1: Uh, A nice uh, dinner. It's season 52, followed up possibly by a a movie. Uh, She likes the chocolate. She likes chocolate-covered almonds and, and of course, the roses.
0: All right. All right. You seem like a pretty traditional, good, romantic guy. John, congratulations. Thank you for listening to The Morning Show, and have a happy Valentine's Day.
8: Well, thank you, Ben. Same to you as well.
0: All right. Stay on the phone line. Dylan is going to grab that information, and we are going to get you connected, not only with your prize, but I guess we'll send him, what do they call them, cameos? He made a cameo on the morning show. That's a cool Valentine's Day card. I like that. So speaking of my singles out there, my singles, I am single. What am I talking about? I saw this list, and I think housekeeping had it, so it's for the moms out there, but not moms, because... You're not married yet. You will be. Don't worry. But as we talked to one of our listeners yesterday, she said, I do not have a Valentine's date for the 14th. So what am I to do? And I said, Dana, Dana, do not worry. Benny's here. <laughs> oh my goodness. So let's jump into this list of 25 things. People like Dana, people like me who are single and alone and crying on the 14th. I'm not crying. I'm actually very content being single. Can do for the 14th. They say actually going to a movie on your own is arguably better than doing it with someone else. Is that true? Kind of. Yeah, because you go with friends and then they won't shut up and you just want to watch the movie because you spent about $45 to get the ticket and then also the snacks that come along with the ticket. You do get snacks, don't you? Number two was to host a singles only dinner party. I view this, inter- I mean, this is nuanced, because on one hand, right, you're sharing the burden of being single with your other single friends. On the other hand, it seems rather dreadful. <laughs> I'm going to insert mine on this list real quick before we jump to three, and then I guess we have to get to 25 more, or 23 more. Turn off your phone on the 14th, set it down, delete all of your social media apps, because I've talked to some of my single girlfriends and they say it's depressing because everybody's getting engaged on the uh, on the 14th. I don't, okay, be more original. Number three is enjoy a beauty treatment. No issue with that. Number five is interesting to me because they say cook a romantic dinner for your parents. Nothing about sitting down with my parents is romantic. Unless this is to be selfless and there is some... There's a good feeling you get when you are a generous person. So maybe instead of feeling down in the blues about the fact that you have not found your partner, you just offset that by cooking a dinner for your parents. Mm. Eat at your favorite restaurant. The kicker here is that you have to do it alone. And I know a lot of Gen Z's and millennial kids out there, they don't do anything alone. We cannot work alone. We cannot go to the movies alone. We cannot vacation alone and i think that is a generational thing i think that my parents dad totally cool going out to eat by himself he actually enjoys it uh us young kids we don't like that sign up for a boutique workout okay bake a chocolate layered cake cannot cook so rolling out number eight try a new recipe stay in and pamper yourself is number 10 number 11 book a couple's massage and they say, who needs a significant other to do a couple's massage or facial? I would add you should go over to Spa Collierville if you do end up doing the couple's massage. Bring your best friend or a family member to experience ultimate relaxation. I am not booking a couple's massage with you, Dylan. I appreciate you. You're a good friend. We're not going and getting facials. Okay? Okay. <laughs> Number 12, catch up with Carrie Bradshaw. Of course, that would be sex in the city. I guess you could empathize with those girls because uh, I don't know that you want to. 14, plan a date with your best friend. Do something nice for someone. Explore a neighborhood. Be remiss if I didn't say be very careful exploring a neighborhood in Memphis because what could be a dreamy night out on the town could end up with you being shot. 18, they say... Avoid social media Offer to babysit That is horrifying I would never do that Buy yourself flowers That's a Miley Cyrus song She just won a Grammy 21 Go to a comedy show 22 Splurge on a nice piece of jewelry There are great jewelers Special things David Weimers And our friends over at Genesis You could drop over there And grab a a nice diamond 23 Love yourself And 24 I don't know Don't overthink it And just have fun Like we're going to do in hour number two. Don't go away. And welcome back to the morning show. Glad to have you guys on our team as we grow every single day. Our audience making us the number one news talk station in the city of Memphis. We couldn't do it without you guys. So when you're out this week, tell your friends about the show. And also tell them to download our free KWAM app because you'll get updates like this. From our traffic cameras to crash on I-40 westbound lanes at Sycamore View. Then following that, for the last 30 minutes, Commander Chuck just gave an update. Again, a crash. It has the center lanes blocked. They are trying to get people on either side, the left and right lane. But it is causing a lot of backup. Again, that being on I-40 westbound at Sycamore View. We'll keep you updated um, throughout the morning on that. And again, you can go to our website, A lot of information over there and the app. All right, so we have a full show, so I want to get into a story that is being called unprecedented in the legal world, which is can parents be criminally charged for their children's crimes? This is a conversation we talk about in Memphis all the time. We have all of these kids shooting people and killing people. And while they pull the trigger, it's very clear that mom and dad are not home. So when they go before a jury and the verdict is delivered, yes, the kid goes behind bars, but should mom and dad? That's the question. Yesterday, Jennifer Crumbly was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter after her son went on a shooting rampage at a school, killing four people. This happened on November 30th. Do you remember it? 2021 was a mass shooting at Oxford High School that left four students dead alongside six others and a teacher wounded. Here is that jury's decision in cut four.
3: Um, individually?
1: Sure. Okay. Um, on count one of involuntary manslaughter as to Madison Baldwin, we find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. On count two of involuntary manslaughter in regards to Tate Muir, we find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. On count three, as to involuntary manslaughter regarding Hannah, Hannah St. Juliana, we
3: find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. And, in count-
0: and you could see the shock on the mom's face when she realized she's going to jail for probably the rest of her life. I believe 60 years. Her son will be spending the rest of his days behind bars as well. The murderer's father will be tried on the same charges at a later date. He's pleaded not guilty. All right. So prosecutors were making the argument that they knew that their son was unwell. Also, they made a gun accessible to the son, ignored many mental health struggles. And if you remember this case, think of this. His teachers pulled him in the day that he would shoot those students Because they found these violent drawings in his book bag that basically said everything he planned on doing, what was in his mind that day. They call up mom and dad. They say, get to the school. They show up. They're in the principal's office and they look at the son and go, oh, he's fine. There's no concern. No red flags. And there should be some responsibility for the principal. As well, because ultimately he got to stay in class and just a couple hours later, he went on that violent rampage, killing those students. Now, this mom was asked by prosecutors a couple different questions. And the testimony that she gave last week was very, very gripping and interesting on whether she knew about her son's mental health struggles. Here's what Jennifer had to say. Cut number 15.
3: In terms of your relationship with your son, how did you think your relationship was?
0: I thought we were pretty close. Um, I trusted him, and I felt like I had an open door, and he can come to me about anything. I mean, I felt I felt as a family where we, we were three of us were really close.
1: Did you
3: ever believe that your son needed mental health treatment, therapy, counseling, anything?
0: No, I mean. Anxiety about what he was going to do after high school, whether it was college, uh, military.
3: So he expressed those, those concerns to me. Um, but not, not to a level where I felt he needed to go see a psychiatrist or a mental health professional right away. Now,
0: I struggle to feel sympathy for this woman. On one hand, I feel some sympathy for this hurting kid. Again, not justifying what he did. But excerpts from his journal were revealed to the jurors. One writing back in, I believe this was 2016, my parents won't listen to me about help or therapists. I have zero help for my mental problems, he went on to write, and it's causing me to shoot up the swear word school. They also went through years and years of text messages between this quote-unquote close family because that's what she was arguing. We had a lovely relationship No, you didn't. You were spending time on a dating app, hooking up with random strangers. And the prosecutors made that argument. Not only were they rendezvousing around with these swinging couples every weekend, she was either skiing, riding horses, and she claimed, well, my son didn't ride horses, so what was I to do? I went on these trips. So they were not close. They looked through the text exchanges. The word love only appeared three times over the last several years. So the kid was alone, and then they gave him a gun. They would. They asked her, Jennifer, if she would have done anything differently, knowing that there will be parents that will never get to tuck their kid in at night any longer, to have that conversation with their, their students ever again. And here's how she responded to 14.
3: Do you believe there were things you were thinking at the time, I should do this, but I'm not doing it? Do you look back and think that? No, I don't. I mean, I, of course, I look back after this all happened, and um, I've asked myself if I would have done anything differently, and I wouldn't have. If you could change what happened, would you? Oh, absolutely. I wish he would have killed us instead.
0: Bad answer on the first question. Would I have done anything differently? No. She told the jurors that no wonder they delivered justice to you. And you will spend the rest of your days behind bars. Now, Todd was on the Mary Walter show yesterday, a podcast. We have more audio. It was fantastic. But they talked about this. And I thought their exchange on this, should parents be responsible for their kids' crimes, was excellent. Take a listen and cut 13.
8: Well, I think parents have a responsibility to know what their kids are doing. And if you do, then you're going to under, you know, you're going to realize, oh, my kid is collecting an arsenal here, and the, you know, what, why is the, why is there ammo in the closets? Why is all of a sudden my kid shaving his head and, and wearing black? You know, mm-hmm. these are these are warning signs, and I think parents do have a responsibility. Um, yeah. This is not like it was in the seventies and eighties anymore. We didn't have to worry about this back when we were in school. So something yeah. has clearly happened in the culture, and I think the the disintegration of the family. And I don't want to say all these cases, but in a good many of them, you're looking at one parent households. So you know, again, yeah. I think we have to look at the root causes of a lot of this too.
3: Yeah, and in Columbine, to your point, the kids with the house.
0: So they go on, but we've got a scoot to break, Joan. Bringing it to Memphis, though, and she writes this on our Stop Memphis Crime, then we'll scoot to break. With the landmark decision today of the finding that the mother was guilty of manslaughter, whose son killed several people at his school, I could not help but think how this relates to crime in Memphis. People need to be aware of who their children are associating with. They need to know where their children are at night. You can't tell me that these teenage criminals who are breaking into cars, stealing cars, are doing this without the parents or a parent not having any idea what is going on. Maybe the parents are putting them up to this, she adds. She ends with this. I say the parent should be held responsible for whatever crime is committed. This is for kids under 18. Memphis needs to at least try this and see if it will make a difference. So we'd love to hear from you. Should parents be associated with their children's crimes. Yes or no? 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. And welcome. And welcome back to the morning show. Give me a thumbs up, guys, if we are good on the microphones. Okay, cool. Let me grab this one. A little technical difficulty this morning, and that's okay because it is live radio and we go with the flow. Welcome back to the 820 segment, which is one of my favorites because it's wildly popular. And that is with my friends over at FCG Financial Consulting Group. want to welcome in all of my guests, Bill Gerner, Joey Solopec, and then one of their great clients who I have heard nothing but the best things. Dr. Terry Nell Beaver, welcome into the studio, guys.
7: Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here.
0: So this is neat, Joey, because when I went over to FCG and hung out with you guys in your office at Germantown, you talked a lot about your clients, the relationship that you have. Now, they're not just clients, they become your friends because you're dealing with very personal things. How important, first of all, Joey, we'll start with you, then we'll come over to the doctor and then Bill's here as well, is it to create those relationships with A client that walks in with a question.
6: Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent question, Ben. You know, we talk a lot about trust performance and communication, TPC. And with, you know, if with anybody you want to, you want to feel like you can trust what they're saying, that you, that they're hearing what your needs are, uh, and that you're, you're being, (laughs) you're being valued and listened to. to. And in the financial world, quite often the opposite I think happens. You become a digit. I've heard this say bef- I've heard this said before you, you know for bigger bigger outfits you're just a grain of sand on their beach and we don't like that now we, we like to uh, have relationships and people tell us you know what they need and, and to age with them it's a generational type of investment you want to help them as they go through life and that's why we were thrilled to have uh, dr beaver join us because she's just Quite the personality. So, Doctor Beaver, there are a million different
0: financial groups out there and advisors. So, my first question actually is, how did you find these guys that are also my friends?
7: Well, you're not going to believe this, but on the pickleball court, <laughs>
0: <laughs> who were you matching up with? Was it Bill?
7: It would be Bill. Good. And now we now we have got we have gotten Joey uh, to play with us as well. So. Our relationship with pickleball, we just started talking together, and I realized what he was doing for a living. And where I was financially, I thought I needed to make a change, especially based on some of the information that Bill gave me. And so, when my husband and I went over to FCG, we were so thrilled because they treated us like people, like a person, a person that had life events happen to them. And for our own individual, unique situation, they helped us to bundle Hmm. uh, our finances in such a way that they became more manageable.
0: Yeah. So, Bill, you meet the doctor on the pickleball court. You hear a story and you build a relationship, then you end up at your HQ in Germantown. You sit down with them, and do you start just hearing their stories, and then craft unique plans?
5: Well, first I didn't play pickleball t- to meet Terry Nell. <laughs> it just worked out.
0: It just was a god thing. But I
5: think I think it's what Terry Nell said and what Joey said. It's she said information, and the last thing Joey said was TPC Trust Performance and Communication. Well, we do communicate, and just in general conversation, uh, just telling uh, Dr. Beaver what we do, uh, then I think she liked what I said, and it just kind of developed from there.
0: So, question to you, Dr. Beaver. When you experience FCG, what was one of your first takeaways you just mentioned and highlighted the relationships that formed very quickly? but more on the financial consulting, advising. How helpful was it to just go straight to the source and get that knowledge from these guys?
7: They were so knowledgeable, and our finances at our age were complex, and they helped us to simplify them and make make it so we could understand what we were doing and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And that that was so helpful to understand what was really happening with our money.
0: When someone is approaching you, Joey, and you meet someone like the doctor on a pickleball court, I guess Bill would have been that guy. What would you encourage people to do that are starting this journey into financial consulting? Questions off limits, or you ask a way we take it
6: from here? You know, I think one of the biggest things we see people face, Ben, is their own fear Of maybe ignorance. People are overwhelmed and scared. And it's sort of one of those things where you don't want to raise your hand in class. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be that guy. But when it comes to your money, you have to. And so you should never feel scared to ask somebody questions about your finances. And so to me, if I was talking to someone out there who's been thinking about this or, or trying to figure out what do I do, just know this you're in good company. Most people don't understand their finances. It can be confusing. There's a lot of tax changes, there's a lot of updates, a lot of overwhelming things. What I would say is do some research and find somebody trusted, reputable, uh, that's got some, you know, good word of mouth and just go start having conversations and say, okay, how does these, how do these men and women make me feel? Do I feel listened to? Do I feel like I can trust them? Do I feel like they're going to take care of me? And then start walking that path so that you've got, uh, you've got some uh, stability as you age and you're looking for ways to take care of yourself as you get older.
0: I'm glad we're doing this segment with a client and not just talking about, because I am Gen Z. I'm a, I'm a young guy. And I'm not thinking about these different plans that you ultimately have to decide when you get up in years. My parents are having those conversations and my grandparents are having more of those conversations. So this is neat because there are real questions that as you age in life, you are going to start having with you, your husband. You were just mentioning those. What are some of those big concerns, Bill, for people as they age up a little bit coming over to you and their number one concerns?
5: What you have to do is you have to... It's a risk-reward. You have to understand the age, and you have to understand where they are in life and how much risk to take. So for Dr. Beaver, we would not take as much risk as we would for you because you're younger and and you have more time. So we match it up with also meeting your expectations. We'd say, Ben, what do you... What, what type of returns do you want us to achieve for you? Mm-hmm. And we would set up something to match what you expect because performance is meeting expectations. It's not my expectations. It's yours and Dr. Beaver's. And so they may be different.
0: Yeah. Um, for you, doctor, when you look at this younger generation, what advice would you have for them that are coming up through and they're not getting their financial ducks in a row how important is it as you do age up a little bit to make sure you have things ready to go, toss over to the guys over at FCG, have that conversation, and plan accordingly?
7: I would say start early. Find someone that you can trust, that you feel comfortable with. Get involved with them early on in your career. Make a long-term plan and realize that your plan will change as you age and your life circumstances change. But start with a plan and start saving early on, no matter how small the amount and realize that one day you will be my age and you will need to have some financial security at that time to take care of whatever happens to people as they get older
5: play pickleball (laughs) and play pickleball.
0: That is such a trend right now. You guys, it's all over my friends, Instagram pages, I didn't even know what it was. I thought we played tennis. Listen, what's going on? Let me tell
6: you something. And and this is, I need to just give you some perspective. These two people here beat me like a drum on the (laughs) pickleball court. That's not a joke. That's how good Dr. Beaver and Bill are. Nobody knows that except these circles. They're both outstanding pickleball players. Wow. This is exciting. Maybe I could come over and take a class or two.
7: Oh, we would love that. Please really? please come and we'll teach you how to play and my, you can be one of us.
0: But doctor, my ego is a little bit fragile at this young age. I don't know that I could get beat by Bill and have him back on air. I'm kidding, my friend.
7: Okay, so I wanted
0: to talk to you guys about this. So I have a story in front of me and it's talking about Vacations and a lot of financial stressor surrounding planning that family trip. I know we're in January, but April will be here before you know it. These spring breaks are starting to happen. The New York Post had this story, and I want you guys to take a crack at it. Disney trips have become so overwhelming and expensive that tourists are now paying for classes on how to plan them. So they're actually spending the money going to a Disneyland, which is not a cheap thing to do but they're also so overwhelmed by the, the process of getting to Disney that they're spending $60 on a one, 101 class to Disney World, Joey. A lot
6: of stress going into Listen, it. Listen, we've, we've done Disney several times. I, I can't afford it now. And that, while that story kind of surprises me, I'll tell you this. I, I would almost tell people to do that because by paying $60 for one of these classes, you might be able to save yourself hundreds and hundreds of dollars that they will get out of you. Uh, The costs have gone up so dramatically. But hey, as a dad, we're doing this right now. We're trying to plan a vacation with our kids. Uh, Moderate, because those things you remember forever. So you've got to be able to balance how much something is going to cost. But I might even take this class just to save hundreds of dollars down the road.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, Bill, talk about budgeting for a vacation. You kind of do want to budget, but I think a lot of people, they get on the beaches... Maybe the alcohol starts flowing and then the credit cards start flowing. So when you're planning a trip like this, how important is it to come up with a plan?
5: You always need a plan for whatever you do financially, because if you don't have the money, then it's difficult to go. But the other thing is when you do have a few beers on the beach or whatever and you get that credit card, you're not very happy when you get back.
0: No, no, not at all. So who knew I would maybe be checking into the most magical place on earth 101 class? crazy. Anyhow, thank you for dropping by the studio. It's a, always a pleasure to actually meet the people that are benefited by the services At FCG, Thanks for dropping by, doctor. Thank you so much. And Joey, I'll give you 20 seconds for a forecast. And then, Bill, I'm coming over to you.
6: Hey, listen, today is a golden bow tie day. It's beautiful. 63 degrees today, but get ready. I've
5: got rain coming in, I believe, this weekend. All right, Bill, last word. Well, they wouldn't let me tell a joke, so (laughs) um, I'll say this. Uh, Joey said a grain of sand. um, You know, as I said a few weeks ago, the Bible has 2,000 verses about finance. Mm-hmm. And, but we put our money on David with the slingshot.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't want money on the 10-foot-tall the guy. All right, so you guys, you got to check out my friends over at FCG. Someone reached out after the show. Can I just pick up the phone and call these guys? Absolutely. Here's their number. Write it down. 901-309-2680. That number again, 901-309-2680. They're trusted. They are your friends at FCG. We'll be right back. Do you need an excuse to, to eat some carbs this morning? Well, oh, I've got one because today is National Fettuccine Day. So go carb load. Maybe a Gibson's Donuts. I mean, that's not fettuccine, but we're talking carbs. So I don't know. A nice donut would be incredible this morning. So jumping into a couple different stories that you need to know as you head out the door this morning, that these are these are kind of niche city government stories one is more on the state side um but i did think it was important to just read these because we know that we are still after over a year i mean think about superintendent ex superintendent george ray he's been out for over two years because he was a bad bad boy to put it mildly so they booed him they gave him a lot of money in that parachute and they sent him off and so they've been trying to find a superintendent ever since. And they can't find one. And, you know, there's been a conversation about putting the interim superintendent in there. That would be Tony Williams. Then they're looking, though. She's she's not a finalist, though. There's just a lot of people in the city that believe she's the right woman for the job because she's been working in MSS, at MSCS, excuse me, this school district here for years. She understands the challenges with being the largest school district in the volunteer state. But our school board is incompetent, much like many of the other entities in this city. So what Representative Mark White, who's a friend of this show, is planning to do is go to the governor and basically give the state more power in our local schools. Now, I know some people would gasp at the thought, but if you look at how they're performing right now and they get a ton of money, I mean, millions and millions of dollars. Think about what happened with COVID, all right? They get these huge supplemental funding packages because they are a state school. And they have the benefits of that and that they get all of these monies for their big lofty contracts and building these new schools and extensions. Unfortunately, it's tied to the government. So they have to kind of follow the government's bidding. But even then, we should be seeing some improvements with how our students perform in school. They cannot read past the third grade. The majority of third graders could not go on to the fourth because they could not read. Another example of this, I would go to the superintendent search. Why don't we have the super? How hard is it? There's three women. Who is the best? Right. Get your rubric up there and let's find that person. So basically, Mark White is saying with these two examples that I just shared with you, blaring problems in MSCS, I want to expand the school board. So Instead of it just being the nine members that are currently serving on it, he would appoint up to six new Memphis Shelby County school board members. According to Mark White, the plan wouldn't affect the current school board members. They would still be on there. It would just be a bit larger. He expressed frustration with the board's locally elected leadership, especially surrounding the two issues that I just addressed. And as you can imagine, those nine school board members have already ran to the Daily Memphian to carry their water, and they are upset about the state having more power. And that's what's interesting about doing news in a city, in a state like Tennessee and us being in Memphis is we are controlled by some logical people on the state side in the state capital. Unfortunately, city government is still pretty powerful. That's why it concerns me. That the city council is run by a group of radical progressives. They're the ones that are going to make Memphis less safe by doing things like these anti-police ordinances. You're seeing the same struggle that we're seeing between MSCS school board members and the chair and the ultimate superintendent, whoever that will be, and the state and the education board. You're seeing it play out on public safety where Brent Taylor joined the show yesterday and he said, I am filing legislation in the state house that takes power away from this group of radical activists on the city council to say you are not going to stop these pretextual traffic stops and ban them because we know that when you actually follow through with some of these traffic stops, you find out that we share the streets with some really dangerous people. I have a personal example of this. I said in the first hour, first segment of the show, I was down at 201 Poplar and I checked into every one of those criminal courts and I wanted to make sure every one of those judges were there with their gavel and their robot. Some of them were, some of, they are, some of them weren't. There was a really interesting case where the defendant was asking for a lower bond. And this was a very common story. It was weird seeing it actually in front of my face. So the defendant goes up to the stand puts his right hand on the of uh, the the right hand up in the air promises that he won't lie in front of the honorable judge so he sits down the accusations that he was facing was that he was speeding some officers picked him up he ran away from our memphis police officers they pursued him when they arrested the guy they found and i forget the exact amount of Cocaine and marijuana that was on his body Then they take him back to his vehicle and there were stolen guns in that vehicle That just so happened to be stolen. All right. It was literally the morning show playing out in front of my eyes so the officers that arrested this accused defendant had to take the stand in front of the alleged criminal and it was very interesting because both officers went up to the stand and they had to recount how they pulled this guy over in the first place and what the defendants were doing and the, the the defense lawyer team was doing was that this was a violation of their defendant's civil rights, that they were spotting a vehicle without a reason to spot this stolen vehicle. And therefore, they were able to find that he was breaking a ton of other laws the accusation that they were profiling this young black defendant was the talking point on the defense side. But without that pretextual traffic stop, we would have never have known that there was a very dangerous person out on the streets, stealing cars, stealing guns and packing a ton of marijuana, cocaine and ammo on his body. But those officers had to stand there on and testify towards this jury that this guy should not be back out onto the streets because of a low bond that would be set for him because it could result in this perpetrator going out and committing more crime. So that is what the Memphis Police Department, those officers, those heroes have to deal with every single day. I take that all back to the conversation, this struggle between the Memphis City Council and and our state legislature. Thank God we have people like Brent Taylor that says, no, enough is enough. We're not going to ban these because they lead to more crimes. In other news, as you guys know, we are in the month of Black History Month, and it's very neat what we're doing. We are spotlighting some very strong black Republicans, not just across the nation, but here in Memphis, Tennessee. You'll start hearing those in our commercial breaks, but this has been a very quote-unquote controversial month because the attack is that republicans hate black americans and they do not celebrate things like black history month we have played into that and on KWM we're not doing that because we can't celebrate black strong republicans in this city and there are a lot of them but the attacks on white people this month are not stopping because they can, because this is a month, think about it, solely for one demographic in the country. I'm on TikTok and I saw this trending and I pulled the audio. This is incredibly racist that you're about ready to hear. But it's allowed in the guise of celebrating black Americans in the month of February. Take a listen, cut three.
4: I just opened my TikTok app and my good up, good up friend pre just reminded me it's dead ass black history month. Do you know what that means? All the whitey people, you're done for this month. I have my eyes on you. If we walking on the sidewalk and you walk past me, you're racist. If I catch y'all buying cotton at Target, I'm giving y'all the meanest side eye ever. Don't let me catch you eating none of the West Indian foods, bro. All the white people to the back of the bus. Don't even scream back door. Walk. Miss your stop and walk. I don't even want to see you in my provision. I don't want to see you at all i don't even want to hear you this is our month if we on a train car and it's packed and you stand down and a bunch of black people come in get up get up that's the least you can do get up if there's a line we're skipping we get to skip it's our month we get to skip i just feel like every black person should get paid more this month but that's just me if your mom is white and your dad is black you don't get to celebrate this month But if your mom is black and your dad is white, yeah, gang, yeah. All
0: right. I had enough of that racist vitriolic speech on the show. What this young TikToker was taught at a very young age is that this country hates them. And so, therefore, to right the wrong of slavery, we must hate white people, which is racist. And I think any person with something between their ears would listen to that. And if the rules were reversed, they would be in jail. It's unacceptable, but it's been rubber stamped by the left, right? This is what progressive looks like. We're making progress. Does that sound like progress? No, it doesn't. It sounds like the 60s, just rules reversed. All right, taking your calls this morning, 901-260-5926. Number again, 901-260-5926. More on the other side. This is going to be fun. So Todd, he goes on the Mary Walter show yesterday. It was streamed on Rumble podcast, and I watched it live. And one of the questions the host Mary Walter asked was, who was Todd's favorite KWAM employee? And we'll have his answer on the other side. Don't go
5: away. 107.9 FM, 990 AM, KWAM.
0: And welcome back to The Morning Show. Could there be an open seat on the Memphis City Council very soon? Maybe. Maybe if they find that Mikaelin Eastern Thomas, one of the City Council women who is a radical progressive overstepped her day job working for the park. She works with the Memphis park Memphis river parks partnership. I'm so used to calling them the park people. That's her day job. And then she also takes a job on the city council where she makes about $37,000 a year. So they had a big meeting yesterday and they'll be discussing a violation in ethics because the city of Memphis has a contract with the MRPP. And if you read the city's charter that is wrong you cannot do that that is what we would call a conflict of interest and to continue doing so could result in her losing her seat now it will probably be replaced by another radical activist because this is just my district downtown and every person that gets appointed in that district they're all lefties so yeah, does it make a big difference For the structure and the dynamic of the city council, I don't think it does, but we understand we have a huge, huge corruption problem in the city of Memphis in our government, right? It's horrible. So this is kind of just peeling back the layers of it. Maybe one city council member by one. I mean, think about the other conversation they're having today, which is we're going to appoint a person to look into lofting over all of these lifetime insurance packages to past and current city council members because- this is a day job and we only are making half-time salaries. No, many of them are very, very wealthy people and they love to scream about poverty being the cause of our problem. That is the root cause. That is the system at play. There are a ton of poor people in this city and therefore, and therefore they commit crimes. I mean, how offensive is that to poor people? But that's what they tell us. Well, Taking our taxpayer dollars and giving it to the city council who do not need more dollars is not going to address crime. Just saying. All right, let's talk about who is Todd's favorite KWAM employee because he was grilled last night on the Mary Walter podcast. And I was watching it in real time and I was tweeting Todd to make sure he answered it very carefully because I might not end up on the morning show in the morning. I'm kidding. (laughs) I do not have that authority. Here was Todd's answer. Take a listen to this and cut number six.
3: All right, one final question for you, and then I will let you go. Who's your favorite employee?
8: Oh, wow. Stop.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
8: I'm, uh, I'm just going to say this. I, wow. <laughs> Grace Baker asked you to do that or Ben Deeter.
3: I'm not going to tell you who asked me.
8: So I will say this I love our entire staff. We have. I know. It's just—it really has been a blessing, uh, to, and our staff is really young, uh, and they are—they are so much fun. And I, every day, I sit back and I think I cannot think that I would be doing what they are doing at their age right now. So, so it's really—that was really my fun. text ben by Deter the way. Just texted in all caps. It better be me. That was me I
3: again. <laughs> well, my th- I mean, let's see, Grace texted me before, so let me see if if she. Uh, yeah. Nope, nothing from Grace. So <laughs> there you go.
0: Oh, it's, you know. a- it was Dieter. I was the one that wanted to know the answer to that question. And Todd did it in a very careful way. He sounded like a politician, which I didn't love. Todd talked about his interactions with politicians on the on the show. And this is all on YouTube. I watched it a little bit this morning. I watched it live last night. You go to Mary Walter Radio on YouTube. Watch it. It was a ton of fun. You see a different version of Todd. You hear Todd from 11 to 2, and he is the same person on and off air. I know that personally. But this was a different side of Todd, a fun and even more fun, Todd. So he's talking about some of the politicians in America that he sat down and interviewed, none bigger than former President Donald Trump. And it's an interesting story. I pulled it. Take a listen. Seven.
3: Gregory says Glenn Youngkin, our governor of Virginia, wore that vest everywhere. Yes,
8: yes.
3: A great look. What do you think about Glenn Youngkin for VP?
8: So I have a funny story about that Um, I was interviewing Trump in his office At (gasps) Mar-a-Lago So jealous So Donald Trump is like The man is like Watching him in his office at work It's like being on the hood of a race car At Daytona 500 And just (laughs) holding on for dear life The guy multitasks And so I'm interviewing him for the book And he's like, you know, hollering out to his assistants. And and then he says something about Glenn Youngkin. And they're like, hey, we've got to write an endorsement tweet about Glenn Youngkin. Uh, Starnes, what do you think about Glenn Youngkin? Well, I think he's a great guy. All right, let's write that down. Write that down. So I think I actually wrote Trump's endorsement of Glenn Youngkin by accident.
7: (laughs) And you didn't even (laughs) know you did
0: it. Uh, It was fun. And, uh, you know, Todd talked about what it was like from going From employee, an employee of Fox for so many years to being employer. And it was really telling to see how he's navigated the shift from management styles. Because, you know, when you're at Fox, you're reporting to the people in the upper room. Now, he's reporting to us downstairs. (laughs) And so to navigate that, let people be people, but also people are people and people can be very frustrating and he has to manage that. So all of that on the Walter Mary podcast, you can watch the entire interview and I encourage you to do that over on YouTube at Mary Walter Radio. Lastly, and maybe more importantly, before we scoot to break, Memphis Mayor Paul Young will be in front of the city council. A lot of city council news today. Um, he says that changes are coming to Beale Street, right? Because crime has gotten out of control on Beale Street and we are going to roll out new changes. Now, he joined the program when he was running for mayor and he said one of those changes could be additional lighting on Beale Street. I'm thinking, I live on Beale Street, basically. And there's more lights, neon signs in that zip code 38103 than the entire city of Memphis. That's not going to... Solve Memphis crime downtown. Also, we could increase the Blue Suede Brigade. Add more horses. That is also, with all due respect, Mr. Mayor, not going to work. There were also talks about cracking down on the music that could be played outside of the bars. Because maybe if there's not tunes floating up and down one of the most iconic streets in America, then you won't have all of these people wandering over to the music like bugs on a warm summer day, flocking to a front porch light. And maybe we stop crying that way. Another proposal was to close bars at two o'clock, right? Because if the, the alcohol isn't pouring then the criminals won't be pouring into be- Beale Street. I need someone to be serious. I need someone in the room, his advisors. Someone's got to say, listen, we have tried that. It's not worked. So what else are we going to do if these young kids, because they're all young, they're all, these criminals, they're all like 14, 15, 16, 17. Where's mom and dad? And maybe to circle back to the first thought that I had in this hour, Maybe they should also be charged with their child's crimes. And when we tie in parental responsibility, which has been lost in this city, maybe that is the way to curb our crime problem in the bluff city. Maybe, just maybe. But that would mean getting tough on crime. And that is oftentimes contradicting the left's philosophy on crime. Anyways, I'll give you the update and the scoop in the morning because I will be staying up all night watching the city council meeting and I will come in with red eyes but ripping and ready to go and have a ton of fun doing it. That all coming up on the show tomorrow morning starting at 7. In the meantime, go to our website, kwamradio.com. Kwamradio.com. Miss an interview, see our stories. It is all going to be there on the website and more opportunities to win our big valentine's bash giveaway that we will be announcing on monday a lucky winner we've been throwing these out we started yesterday we did it again today you call in you be our lucky winner and you will get an option of 12 dozen not 12 dozen a dozen roses 12 flowers over a puce a box of chocolates a dintels maybe a spa maybe a facial over at spa collierville or if she's into nutrition Our friends over at the Nutrition Bar in East Memphis are partnering up with us to give a $50 gift card away to the person you love. So we'll do that twice tomorrow. So be listening to that. Have a great day. Enjoy that sunshine. We'll
2: talk tomorrow.